1: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today we're going to address Rolling Stone's new and entirely revamped list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. It's the first time we really did it since 2003. That was the last time we had a big vote. There was an update in 2012, but it was really just a little bit of an update. This is our first vote from scratch with a huge panel of voters, roll the dice, and see where it lands things since 2003. And so we put out this new list, and what's amazing is that everyone on the internet came together all at once and said, you, Rolling Stone, are absolutely right. No discussion needed. You nailed it. This is the definitive list. It's all over. All right, this is not exactly what happened, but I think it was a pretty good response out there. I have with me Rob Sheffield, John Dolan, and Brittany Spanos, who's actually going to be hosting a new podcast on Amazon that dives deep into the 500 albums list. But before we get into the list itself, what do you all make of the reaction? Obviously, in reality, no one's going to be thrilled with every single thing on a list of 500 albums compiled by a massive vote. So what do you make of of the reaction so far?
2: People love to argue. They really, yeah. yeah. I kind of just caught little glimpses of it. But yeah, it was was funny to kind of see, especially when you kind of see like the music writers I follow kind of going off their specific beats. I follow a lot of like emo and pop punk writers who are like, Whereas all the emo pop punk and like pop writers are like, this, these pop albums were rated higher than these pop albums, you know, stuff like that. And some argument over um, even like Miseducation of Lauryn Hill being the highest rated rap album, things like that. So it was funny to kind of see it in all the different pockets and kind of all the conversations that started based around.
3: Well, it's each funny. Genre. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It's almost enough to give you the sneaking suspicion that. Middle-aged white men really like to complain. <laughs> I need to follow up this theory with some more empirical evidence, but I get that distinct impression.
1: Well, there there certainly was one vein of criticism which was I don't want I don't want to stereotype as older, but perhaps some older music fans being disappointed to see some of. Their old favorites downgraded, and I think that that at least is a reaction that reacts to what what we've done, because that that is what happened on the list, and and I think for the most part very much beneficially. I think it, it's a it's a more diverse and also more recent leaning list, um and I think better reflects the the broad spectrum of of music. So there mm-hmm. definitely were like the old rock guys mad that it's not. A list entirely of Guns N' Roses albums, which, by the way, it never was. Truthfully, if you go into the the, even the 500, I mean, there is, you know, it never was a straight rock thing at all. But but this is, I think, much much more diverse. You know, there's also people who who think it's it's not uh, diverse enough. There's also people who have very very hilariously specific complaints. As I was talking uh, before the show, there was one person who said there is no Sting and no Police in the top 100. Therefore, this list is invalid. And I, I actually think that's one of my favorite uh, veins of, that might be my single favorite complaint because it, it's so singular <laughs> and so passionate. But uh, John Dolan, you edited this list and, and you, you wanted to say actually synchronicity by the police did pretty well. So it did pretty
0: we, we <laughs> well, I think. I think that kind of like, Boomer 80s, those kind of staples of that kind of time, which used to be a real Rolling Stone thing, I think it kind of got a little, didn't do as well, but the, the, the police hung in there. Synchronicity is like, I think, 130 something or other. It did, it did surprisingly well. So, on the bubble of the top 100, so maybe almost valid, you know, you know potentially valid.
1: List. Let's focus but, mostly on the police and sting. What what, what were the yeah, other? Right. Uh, well, why well, are there well, no,
3: there no fan 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 solo fan albums? <laughs> where, where is the rhythmatist? <laughs> where is Andy Summers's album? I advance <laughs> best? It's an
1: outrage. But to dare to take it back to the uh, central issues at hand, John, maybe you could talk a little bit. You wrote in, in the intro a little bit about what what the goals were this time around and what the idea was.
0: Yeah, I mean, the big thing that people immediately don't notice right out of the box is it's a vote. And that's a huge, like, they just go, Rolling Stones editors gave me a new list of albums. (laughs) I think people don't notice, and they really don't notice as it goes, as it kind of lives on the internet for a while, that we spend a ton of time, like, trying to get this electorate of people. And over 300 people voted, and musicians from, you know, every era and every, you know, kind of generation and every style, as well as, like, people from the music business and a lot of critics, people who have been with Rolling Stone or doing this for many years and people who are just getting their start. And so people from different perspectives who cover different beats. And so the, the list is that it's the vote. It reflects the vote. So like, you know, when they complain, why did Rolling Stone, do this. It's like, it's a big thing to keep in mind. And I think that's a good way to do it because it kind of gives you a sense of, of, of the big picture of where kind of music experts and music critics and musicians themselves have kind of, you know, where they see it. And, and I think people just don't, people just don't kind of, they don't notice that. Uh, and so I think that's a big part of kind of how they receive it sometimes, is they think it's coming kind of from on high, but it's really not. It's like a very democratic thing we try to do with this thing.
1: And I think that said, part of what this represents is, yes, uh, you know, there, there were efforts to bring in a much broader and more diverse set of voters. Uh, so the, the changes in the list reflect that. It also, however, reflects changes in the overall critical zeitgeist. There are artists who, so, you know, even if the panel hadn't changed as much, the list might've changed because the, just as Rob has written about the way that, you know, which Beatles album is important changes from sort of year to year and era to era. There are different Beatles for every era. There's also a different canon for every era. Things move around. And so, and not just not just some artists lose currency and, and are generally ranked lower, but even within the individual canons of artists, some albums are you know do better than they used to. Uh, an example would be uh, for Bob Dylan. Now the most beloved Bob Dylan album we've learned is, is Blood on the Tracks. Uh, that that wasn't, you know, used to be really Blonde on Blonde on Highway 61 were the ones that were considered the top two. So Rob, as a longtime observer of this kind of thing, Maybe you could talk about those changes on the list, things where you saw the sort of tide shifting as far as whether it's a band who no one likes anymore or an album that suddenly people like much more or much less.
3: Definitely interesting to see, you know, the albums, a lot of albums that were very famous and always show up on lists like this, nonetheless, really cleaned up in the top 10. There was a Joni Mitchell's Blue and Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, and Bob Dylan's "Blood on the Tracks," which means all the voters were getting divorced in the '70s. <laughs> if you're an album about getting divorced in the '70s. You did really well in this poll. Like tapestry did really well. Yes. Like. Boy, the, the divorced seventies moms definitely definitely making their cultural influence. Yeah,
0: and, and, and the edu- miseducation of Warren Hill is almost like a blood on the tracks for the late nineties of like it's right. like really carries on the tradition. It's like shows you the sort of divorce canon a little bit. Yes,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, John, I, I wonder if you could take up this subject a little bit, because I, I know you you tracked this closely. Where did you see the the tide shifting in this list? The biggest
0: change shift? I think is in the, especially from the old list and from in a lot of ways how kind of Rolling Stone has Thought about the music canon is like the kind of primacy of the 60s has kind of gone away a little. You mentioned Dylan, like it's the same thing is true. Like, you know, Abbey Road is the top Beatles element, it's the most, it's the last one, and also like the most 70s feeling. And the record you'd have your parents would probably have playing in the 70s and 80s if you grew up, um, more than maybe Revolver or even, you know, the, the Sergeant Peppers, which was our old number one. And you see that with yeah, like with blue and um. You know, Dylan, like in the old list, Highway 61 and Blonde on Blonde were both in the top 10. Um, You know, Pet Sound stayed in there. Um, And Aretha, but I think there's only three albums from the 60s in the top 20, and maybe only four in the top 25. Um, Mm. And I I think that you see the Mm. 70s really kind of become the the font where everything kind of comes from, with like Songs in the Key of Life being really high and blue and. Exile on Main Street and London Calling being very high, and and a lot of I felt a lot of the records that come later in the list, the 70s and records that kind of seem influenced by it, particularly neo soul, which did really well, are you know just did it seemed like that was kind of a little bit of a shift where the kind of idea that everything comes out of the 60s and that's the great time and everything kind of has to be compared to that yardstick is that I I think that was one big change that's really kind of no
1: longer the case. We've moved up the ideal era by a whole 10 years. (laughs) Brittany what did you like most about where this list ended up
2: I love like you know I think the top 10 is definitely a part of the list where I was just like I have no notes for this even if they aren't (laughs) my top 10 I'm like yeah that's a great top 10 like that's like a perfect (laughs) to me unimpeachable top 10 of kind of the canon of music and kind of spans a lot and sees a lot of you know younger artists and I mean even going into like the top 50 top 100 like a lot of younger artists kind of breaking through and seeing how many people voted for even more recent albums which I was kind of curious about what would happen with that because even I was sort of grappling with kind of how do I place albums from the last like five years versus albums that I've had my entire life or albums that have kind of stood the test of time in a way that more recent ones have and it was really great to see how people kind of wanted to canonize these albums that are more recent and more pop albums from the last five, 10 years, kind of breaking through in a way that I wasn't totally expecting and was excited to see.
1: Yeah, it's kind of wild for me to see that there's albums on this list now where I did the features for when they first came out. And it's just like, that's Bananas, Born This Way, and uh, Arctic Monkeys AM, and just like, you know, all these things. And so it's like, oh, I guess, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's where we are now. It's wild. And it's also, it leads to things that are really fascinating, like where you have uh, Casey Musgraves' Golden Hour, which is, you know, I think we all agree, an utterly fantastic album, but it, it's just a little bit behind Sweetheart of the Rodeo which I know is one of, by the birds, which, which is one of Casey's favorite albums of all time. I think even she would be like, whoa, I don't know if it's if it's quite that good, but you think about it and be like, who's to say? I mean, you know, the voters and, and maybe, you know, it, it probably is, you know? Well, you know, you're, you're listening to it now.
0: And, the, you know, you're playing these records now, and I think, the, like, one thing Britney kind of got at was the kind of, like, tyranny of standing the test of time. Yes. This kind of overthrows that a little bit, like, where it doesn't necessarily have to be. And I think the old list was very, like, you know, you got to, like, Robert Johnson right away on the old list and stuff like that. And I feel mm-hmm. like in this one, it kind of says, like, you know, these records, what's good right now? And, and another thing that you know, Brittany had was just the pop the kind of idea like of pop pleasure as a real driver. Like, you know, that's true of like rumors and songs of the key of life. Like, you know, Bon blonde, blonde is, 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 or, you know, maybe like, um, like for this oldest head, like, you know, and it's pretty high up, like Trout Mask Replica by Captain Beefheart. Like that was like in the 40s or something like that. And like, and this is definitely more like, what are you going to play when you want to listen to music? I think is a little stronger in this list a little bit, not to run down the old one. So I feel like that that, that, that comes through, you're right, a lot with like the modern thing and also the just the, the poppiness of the poppiness of the old records too that did well like Tapestry and, and Purple Rain and stuff like
1: that. Yeah. You know I've seen some um, more veteran music critics kind of pondering the what it means of Captain Beefheart being left off this list you know and it is interesting I mean you know that those are definitely the, the kind of albums that you initially only ever encountered on lists like this you know that that was where they lived on lists of the greatest albums of all time right next to that richard and linda thompson album that's a great album
0: but that has a lot of relevance i mean that like radio you know like like the blue ribbon's like radio header influenced by them and lots of the kind of like guitar rock of now like richard thompson's a big you know but like i just you know how many people are listening to beefheart or whatever but and it's funny you say that because like you think like a vel- an el- an album like the Velvet Underground and Nico like could potentially fall in that like oh it's to eat your vegetables but it's, it's it proves it's not like it really people like got a ton of votes it, it ended up really high it ended up at twenty three, and so it's like the dissonant hard and there's actually a lot of albums on here that are like there's the, you know there's things like the raincoats and the slits and like and challenging records that are maybe a little more fun to be challenged by
1: absolutely and I also think you know there may be a time when a cool young artist suddenly comes out and is like I love Captain Beefheart. Captain Beefheart is my biggest influence, and then at some future point, something like that might jump right back on the list. I mean, I think I think it's as simple as that. Um, I will say Captain Beefheart has the single greatest artist name of all time, and I do kind of love those albums. Although it, at the same time, I kind of regret the time I spent learning to like them. But <laughs> but, but uh, Rob, what what else about just the changes in in sentiment stick out to you?
3: Obviously, the voters it was a lot of different people with a lot of different perspectives and something that's fun about seeing how um, how that sort of uh, canonicity evolves and mutates over time is seeing you know you mentioned Casey Musgraves, an album by a young person that has significant appeal to old people. Mm. Old people love Casey uh, whereas uh, there's also albums by young people who have immense appeal to Old people, which I, I guess is what I just said, but I, I love seeing <laughs> old people really have young people to... appeal, you mean like old records that have young people appeal kind of well exactly well, like, yeah. like, it's it's fair to say that young people get Joni Mitchell and yeah. Kate Bush much more than people did at the time, and these were albums. these were artists that were very acclaimed in their time and popular, so, yes, but people under thirty are the ones who are you know definitely in the vanguard of appreciating kate bush in our yeah list. hounds of
0: love that's a perfect example of one that, that got
3: that wasn't even on the old list and now mm-hmm. it's a classic
2: yeah
3: yes and, and so albums that old albums that have young people appeal like rumors or blue or tapestry these are albums that sort of cross borders and, and a, a poll as diverse as this one it rewards albums that cross borders but i love that you have these incredibly popular albums jammed up side by side with these incredibly obscure ones. Uh, and I love just reading, like reading through the list. I loved seeing those swerves from like this moment and that mo- moment in music history. Something I loved was there's this stretch where it goes from the raincoats to Billie Eilish to Todd Rundgren. And I was like, it's kind of beautiful. There may not be anybody on earth who loves all three of those artists. I go two for three myself. Um, I was about to say, what about you, Rob? But okay. okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, wow, I, okay. All
1: right, then there is not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did the
3: research. And yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Um, but it, it's beautiful that, to, you know, to see Billie Eilish, like, in between Todd Rundgren and the raincoats, it's something that, that context flatters all three artists immensely.
1: Well, your point about, old albums that young people like. I mean, there really are few better tests of that's literally what we mean when we say standing the test of time. Does it does it cross over, you know? And and sometimes it doesn't mean worse, but it does mean you're damn right it should be that's what should win on a list like this, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean even just like looking at the top twenty and the albums that haven't that came out prior to, you know, the last decade and like the albums that have made the top, I mean, in, including that, like those are, that's the sound of right now. Like that's like everything that's on the, on the charts. Like you can hear like public enemy, you can hear Joni Mitchell, you can hear Nirvana in so much of what music has been since even, you know, since the list first originally appeared and how much that's in those albums have influenced so many artists that have come up since then. So many albums that have come out since then, And those are kind of such pervasive influences. And that's kind of beautiful to see how it came so distilled and why I love, especially like, again, like the top 10 feels just like so appropriate and perfect to right now.
1: And I would expand on something Rob said. And and not only are some of these albums the ones that cross generational boundaries, they're also ones that cross genre boundaries in terms of their fandom. For example, I I would really point to Nirvana scoring quite so high with Nevermind at number six as because, you know, you will talk to... You know even like famous young rappers and the one rock album they might name as really liking or one of is definitely is the one band the one album would be definitely nirvana you know and i think that that's it's it's part of like people who might not have voted for a lot of other rock albums that might be the one rock album they voted for Oh, it definitely yeah. was
0: yeah that was to- that's totally i mean i saw all the ballots and
1: that came to happen right <laughs> john doesn't have to guess john could actually uh john could actually speak to this right i think again that's a beautiful thing i mean that's what you know, it's got to be a pretty goddamn good rock album to have people who don't like rock at all voting for it, you know, like that. It's amazing. So I, I think that's part of what makes this the, the, the list feel so solid, especially the top. And and uh, it's interesting to see Lauryn Hill at number 10 and being by a number of by 14 years, the most recent album uh, in the top 10. That's really cool. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's not. I wouldn't say I was, I was shocked, but I was pleased and maybe slightly surprised to see it land quite that high. What, what do we think are the various factors behind the, the, the kind of convergence of that album as, as kind of the one album post-1990 to hit the top 10?
2: It's funny because I, I didn't realize it was on the original list, and it jumped up like 200, <laughs> 300 spots or something. Yeah,
0: from, it was like 385 or something Yeah, on the
2: list, and now it's ten. And, I mean, it's pretty incredible that even it was on the on the original list just, you know, a few years after it, after it came out. But, I mean, that's, like, a perfect example of kind of, like, again, like, some of the albums that have been within the five-year range of the list being made, of, of people voting, of, like, being so immediate and so urgent and already when <laughs> when people were voting the first time around, kind of, like, unhindered by the same elements that we are of, like, Twitter and streaming and the way that we listen to music now. But, like, it's, you know... I mean that's one album that was just like so immediately urgent from the mo- from the time it was released till now, and I think also has had some of the most enduring influence on every R&B star, every rapper, every pop star since then. And it's like her only <laughs> her only solo album, and it's just been so incredible to kind of like hear how it's consistently been one of the most like influential albums of of the last few decades.
1: Her unplugged did not make it. Uh, it made, <laughs> there are people who, by the way, there are people who really defend the unplugged. But there are not. There are. There are, there are there not. are. Is the
2: people. I'm not, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, no,
1: no. I mean, I, I myself cannot. Um, but one thing that's really amazing is to think about the fact that let's do an average, it's about 500 hours of music. So 12 hours a day take you about 40 days to listen to all this music and yet there are a few people who are like, eh, I don't need to know anything on this list. And I just doubt that. I just doubt that, <laughs> I, just doubt that. Also, I don't think would that be
0: the point? Like, it's supposed to be the greatest. It's I would hope you've heard these records. <laughs> it's like it's like you don't when you look at like the best pictures of all time, you're not like, oh, who are these obscure gents? It's like it's supposed to be the best albums. You should if you're a music fan, you should know a good amount of these, I think.
1: John, I would imagine after working on this for quite some time, maybe you wanted to hear some bad music.
0: And <laughs> <I> definitely <laughs> wanted to hear some new music. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's been going on for four months? um while we did this but yeah um that's right put on put on some put on some hinder just to pick a random example (laughs) have you
2: heard a little album called folklore (laughs) (laughs) that was like the
0: last no no not the last you know i was wondering will folklore make the list but it's the voting was
3: closed
1: the voting was closed just to yeah people were wondering where is folklore Uh, you know i think folklore might have made it but i know i'm voting absolutely the voting was closed so you know You just have to wait like maybe a decade. Because there is a
0: 2019 album, Billie Eilish, and there could have been a 2020 album. And I guess we just, we were done. Like it's right when it came out. There
3: there was also (laughs) an album from the last two weeks of 2019. Right. You should have called each voter and been like,
1: do you want folklore?
2: (laughs) 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 Everyone who voted for a Taylor album, is this the one you want? (laughs) So more broadly, the challenge
1: of a list like this is there's incredible amounts of apples versus oranges kind of thinking going on here. It's just it's just a huge pile of apples, oranges, kumquats, and all sorts of things that, like, that don't belong next to each other, which is cool and can provide those moments of glory that Rob talked about. But it also means that it becomes borderline deranged when you have to say, oh, is kind of blue better or worse than enter the Wu-Tang? Entirely different things. So on some level, obviously, it's an exercise that has a certain amount of futility to it inherently, but it's still worth doing. And I, I think part of that, John, part of the vote is a way to kind of get past that, right? So you don't have to sit there, well, okay, so literally Kind of Blue is between the Jimi Hendrix experience, Are You Experienced?, and Beyonce Lemonade. And you don't have to be like, well, is it one point better or worse than you know Amy Winehouse which at number 33? You're not really doing that because it's a vote, right, John? And that's, that's sort of, that helps,
0: it certainly gets us off the hook a little bit, yes. It really does. But it, you know, it's a, it is kind of a fun game to play. You're like, you know, how many how many songs is it? You know, when does this really does this you know lag at all? And can you compare them? And, and kind of coming up with these juxtapositions as you go through it, I think helps. Kind of as Rob was suggesting, helps the other helps the records seem more interesting. You know, it's like Car Wheels on a Gravel Road by Lucinda Williams is right next to Taylor Swift. Red is right next to the band's music from Big Pink they're all like in a, in a way like connected to roots in some kind of certain sense, but um, it, it makes you kind of think about it in a different way, I think. And yeah, and exactly. It's like, we didn't, we are not the ones who are sitting around trying to make that determination is
1: determined by the people. And Rob, when you look at the top 100,
3: what stands out to you? What surprises you? What pleases you? I love just seeing like albums from all these different uh, historical and stylistic places, sort of, rubbing up against each other. That's something I love about a list like this that crosses stylistic boundaries and crosses historical boundaries. I love how it goes at one point from Carole King to Patti Smith to the Wu-Tang Clan. And I just love the idea of like listening to all of those in a row or like in a mix. And again, it's, it's a combination that makes them all seem cool. They all really thrive in that. You think about all the different things they have in common, you know, Carole King, Patty Smith, Wu-Tang Clan, people from, you know, sort of like the outer orbit of NYC, like thinking about their way in and thinking about, you know, responding to R&B in, in different kinds of ways. So just something I love about the, the top 100, but also the entire list, is it plays up all these connections between albums that you wouldn't necessarily notice.
1: Maybe, I love that. Maybe, uh, maybe dig into that a little bit more if you want to look at some specific... Um bump-ups, especially
3: in the, in the top 100. Something I love, you know, D'Angelo's Voodoo did extremely well. D'Angelo in general, his entire catalog did extremely well on yes. this. Yeah, the every v- record he ever made is on here. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the voters are <laughs> really, really feeling those. And I think Voodoo was on the 2003 list, like, somewhere, at that, you know, somewhere in the basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like this album came out in between now and then, but given the kind of album it is, people yeah. really had to spend years with it to, you know, to sort of get it. And I loved seeing D'Angelo right next to the White Album, you know, on the list. And I was like, wow, like that'd make a great, you know, because I'm, I, I tend to think of things in terms of cassettes. So I'm like, that'd be such a great tape to have the White Album on one side and D'Angelo's Voodoo on the other, because they're both such kaleidoscopic records. And that's really what a list like this is all about is taking music out of the boxes that we normally file it in in putting these records up against each other just based on enthusiasm. So you know these are the records that people voted for out of personal enthusiasm and passion and and that is something that sets them all apart. And that's a, an
1: important point because not only was it a vote, but the way the vote was done is that people listed their top 50. So everything had to be you didn't get to list your top 500. So the stuff you kind of liked, or love even but don't love enough to put in your top 50 albums of, the all, t- of all time didn't make individual lists and I, I do think that it's an interesting thing because it it means that every single one down to number 500 appeared on multiple people's lists of their top 50 and that is that's exactly right what rob said is it's enthusiasm right so it has, people have to really love
3: This music to put it on there. Absolutely. Nobody was voting for their 52nd favorite record or their 53rd. And definitely, no, but on on a list like this, there wasn't room to put the album I know is great and I feel kind of guilty for not really personally caring about, but historical importance. There wasn't room for that in a list like this. This was strictly people's enthusiasms and passions. And it was really exciting to see what music sort of carries through over time and inspires that kind of fervor. So another example, uh, but the Alanis Morissette record, Jagged Little Pill, that barely squeaked onto the 2003 list. That was another one that was sort of languishing in the basement. And people feel that record deeper now with each year. And this was the kind of list that stresses albums that people feel deeply about.
1: Yeah, giant jump for that one. And when you see it, it it you know, it makes total sense. People were not looking at it correctly before. Brittany, what else jumps out at you about the entire top one hundred?
2: Um, I mean just kind of branching off of that, I I was excited to see like a lot of the nineties great female singer songwriter seeing Liz Fair up there, seeing Eric Baudou, like seeing them rank so highly on the list, like um was really I mean, just fantastic. I I was so excited to see you know, those four especially, Lauren, Erica, and and Liz and Alanis kind of hit the top 100 the way they did and at such like a big, such a big jump for the ones that were on the list before. So yeah, that was very exciting for me to see that along with like, you know, Beyonce's Lemonade and and Amy Whitehouse and kind of those more of the last couple decades albums, but yeah.
3: And and, and just outside the 100, you have, Fiona and mm-hmm. Courtney and So Meredith. many Fiona albums. Yes. See, Fiona yeah, albums. She has yeah, she had three on there. But definitely an artist who is more understood and appreciated now than she's ever oh, been. Absolutely. <laughs> and
0: like and it kind of introduced along with D'Angelo, I guess maybe they're the two good examples, a kind of new sort of career artist into this kind of thing, a new kind of canonical artist where her like she gets three, D'Angelo gets three, and and um, I'm trying to think of this, radiohead obviously, um, Outcast, you know, it's like they're they're kind of it, it elevates them up to the same kind of level that we usually consider, you know, the, the Bob Dylans and the Beatles of the world and the Led Zeppelins where they're like, their whole career gets kind of assessed as great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And John, given your close contact with all the ballots and getting to see people's top 50s, what did you see that was kind of surprising you along the way? What kind of trends did you see about who was voting for what or just what was kind of bubbling under? What struck you?
0: You know, I guess it's kind of what we got at earlier a little bit was that you did see surprises like I remember like Stevie Nicks Ballot came in and like Harry Styles was on it and stuff like that and like new records but also this bedrock 70s kind of stuff too and like I think it was fun to see young people like you know really young people in some these early 20s like what old music kind of you know resonates with them and what punk resonates with them and what indie rock and, and what stuff like that and I think you saw like that helped the list be interesting like it helps some of we've always been saying that like you know my bloody valentine's loveless and Ilmatic and exile and Guyville by liz fair are just as good as all these great albums we've been told to listen to since the 60s and now we have kind of like the document that proves it. when you put them on when you put on Ilmatics, then that's not actually kind of an old album but you put it on and it sounds just as great as being up there next to miles davis and, and same thing with I me mean, liz fair herself was like i can't believe i'm on the same bracket as bob marley or whatever it was like you know i think that i think that that those juxtapositions in the ballads themselves were pretty interesting
1: yeah, I think if there's something to be really proud of of this list is it, it says something true, which is that Lauryn Hill and, and Kendrick and Radiohead and Biggie all belong in the in the top 25. And despite being more recent, made albums that are, are just as classic as literally we are saying just as classic as Highway 61 Revisited, just as classic as Born to Run.
0: We didn't. It doesn't like overturn the apple cart. We didn't decide like, you know, it's just, oh, it's like, well, that was. What we did in the past was raucous or whatever and it has to be new. It was like, well, how does this really fit together? And and then the vote the voters we got did great was were so great at sort of like getting that it just worked out that way that, that that was the that's that's the way that people felt. You know, that like and you know, and some of these albums have been around a little while, but, but they're a lot more recent than, you know, yeah, blonde on blonde. So it was cool that like it all kind of fits together. It wasn't just let's you know, shut something out and start let's, let's start over or whatever. It was kind of everything kind of made sense together.
1: Yeah, we didn't talk about Uh, Marvin Gaye, what's going on at number one, which uh, which I'm really happy about, and it kind of, it just kind of ran away with it, right, John?
0: Yeah, it it was it was number one the entire time. Wow. Um, As the ballots came in, it just never faded. It was it was, and obviously, I think people were thinking about it you know, as they did their thing. I think they're probably listening to it and thinking about it and what was going on around them in their lives. As you point out, Brian, the piece you wrote that's for the number one album about how it was inspired by in part by a police riot. And, um, you know, I think people just were, it, it hit them. I think, I think it's probably hitting them right now and they're listening to it right now. And I think that, you know, was something that it's amazing that it's 50 years ago and it still is that resonant, and I think it is.
1: What do we make of, and it is a, a great album, and I'm happy to see it, I would say that I wouldn't have guessed Amy Winehouse would land quite so high. I might have said Top 100, but I wouldn't have necessarily guessed number 33. That's It's pretty extraordinary. What do we make of that?
2: I mean, she's someone who, as an artist, kind of, you know, I'm glad that we're starting to see a tide turn in how we talk about her musically, where I think so much of her personal life and the tragedy around her overshadowed what was an incredible album from the jump, you know, an album that I think, you know, was clearly critically acclaimed, did well, you know, the minute it came out, but I think there was just so much going on in her life publicly, privately that didn't really allow a lot of that conversation in the way that I wish we could have had more, but I'm, I'm really happy to see over the last few years, I think the conversation around the album and how it's influenced such a, a new class of young singers over the last decade and how Uh, like almost every you know every vocalist right now would cite Amy Winehouse as one of their biggest influences and cite that album as a big influence and is such a convergence of the kind of old canon with the new canon in such a beautiful way so yeah I'm I was really I was really excited to see it rank so high I was kind of wondering um you know I think I put it on my list and like I I was kind of wondering like where it would fall for a lot of people because I think it's it's easy to ignore how pretty perfect that album is from start to finish.
3: That's so brilliantly put. I love how you said well that it's a moment where the old canon meets the new canon. Because like a- and Amy Winehouse is doing a lot of tricks that go back to people like mm-hmm. Billy Holiday who are on this list, but also sort of reaching into the future. It's funny because like seeing Amy Winehouse so high in the list really surprised me. And then I remembered something Bob Dylan said a few years ago about how like that was the last new album he was really, really passionate about, Amy yeah. Winehouse, which I thought was really <laughs> weird at the time. I guess that that might have been the big influence on the new Bob Dylan record. But yeah. I look like in terms of, you know, records by older people that, that strike a chord in younger listeners, records by younger people that strike a chord in older listeners, both of those are going to prosper in a poll like this. Mm-hmm.
1: I thought it was interesting that despite Kanye West's best efforts to sort of trash his own legacy, the voters would not let him trash his legacy. Uh, he's he's all over the list and including mine. So it's just, we we just won't let him, no matter what he does, we're not going to let go of, of the music so far. We'll see. We'll see. If if he uh, destroys the presidential election, then we might have a problem. But, but uh, it's, you know.
2: Yeah, sorry. I mean, it's so far outside from, and, you know, I, I conversation that is... It's a My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy being that album and being the album that had ranked the highest for Kanye kind of continues a conversation that he's had throughout his his entire career through every album and also has, again, been so immensely influential. Like, every rapper in this moment can go back and cite something that he did on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and completely, you know, like, have that thread to what they're doing now and what songs that they've released now. And, you know, it is relevant to a lot of what we're seeing what he's talking about and kind of the concerns we have about Kanye are very much laid out in a very raw and real way across my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and in a way that you know is something that we celebrate in great in great albums and can be said of so many of the albums on the list of like having this very raw kind of powerful way of saying like here is where I am at and here is what I am going through and how can I translate this into great art and that's exactly what that Kanye album and what a lot of Kanye album albums up until, you know, last few years have done.
1: Rob, what are the single biggest surprises for you on this list?
3: Surprises? Um, gosh, like for me, I guess, even with albums that I know really well and, and have loved for a very long time, it's always exciting to see sort of, to see them like basically side by side in, in history. So it's like the great part on this list where, where Eric B and Rakim, are right in between Astral Weeks and Appetite for Destruction. And <laughs> those, are, those are three albums where I know every moment of them by heart, and yet there's something kind of jarring in a, in a great way and creative way and inspiring way about that juxtaposition. So juxtapositions like that are like a huge huge surprise for me and something that makes the list fun to go through even when the albums themselves I, I, I know well. So there was, a, a one like, something I loved was uh, how well the Missy Elliott album did. It was in the top 100, whereas it, that was something else that was uh, languishing in the bottom of, of the old record. Also, I loved how it was right next to the Stooges' Funhouse. Like, those are <laughs> the greatest albums of all time and I never thought before, but Missy and Iggy, they have an awful lot in common, <laughs> an awful lot in common.
1: Brittany suggested that we Talk a little bit about some of what was on our our list, and I will say, Brittany, I was like, "How did the Doors do quite so well in 2020?" And then I saw your list, and I was like, "Oh, okay."
2: <laughs> I love that album; it's so good. I was happy to see that they ranked highly. Um, I think the Doors rule, and I think they're. I think the conversation around them is dumb. They are awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's it. That's my critical take. Is...
1: Do, do you think that your 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 love of the Red Hot Chili Peppers is is sort of like? Does it hit a, a similar part of your Druggie,
2: California yeah, think, eccentric frontman? Yes.
1: Yes, shirtless.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's um, it's all there. But two great artists, two of the greatest bands of all time, um, should be higher on the list. But to each their well, own. Also,
3: also, that you know you're hitting the PJ Harvey hard these days, and, uh, and yeah, Jim Morrison and Paulie Harvey go together so incredibly well.
2: <laughs> yes. Definitely,
3: it's a tragedy <laughs> for us all that they never lived to make a duet. Album.
2: I know, in in our dreams, it exists. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Absolutely,
1: Rob. Is there anything from your votes that you you wanted to highlight?
3: Man, number one on my list was uh, Chuck Berry, the Great Twenty Eight, which for me, that's it's where it all that, you know, that's where it all begins. That was uh, it did very well. Something about this list and. The way that people went for music that was uh sort of from sort of the, the chuck berry sort of era so stuff like uh you know from the 50s like you know buddy holly also did well elvis presley here's little uh, richard yeah little richard yeah um and uh for me like chuck berry was number one but a lot of the stuff on my list did extremely well and i was really happy to see i always have missy way high up in my list whenever I'm making lists of of favorite albums so I was really excited to see the sort of electoral surge for for Missy. I think the 2020s are going to be the decade when Supa Dupa Fly becomes like Joni Mitchell's Blue in terms of the canon like Mm. an old album that just keeps like giving up new secrets over time.
1: I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John, are you comfortable? Is there anything you want to say about your uh, votes?
0: I guess I'll, my number one was, was the first Velvet Underground album, um, and then after that, Liz Fair, Exile and Guyville, and then after that, Wire. Um, you know, I guess the same thing in some sense. Like A lot of the music I like all, all kind of comes from that first Velvet Underground album. All the punk and indie rock and so many different things kind of like that dissonant, kind of, but also pretty rock and I'm, I hope, I hope I played a role by putting Exxon Gaifel at number two and getting her and getting that record to be in the top, pretty much near the top 50. I mean, now, now that I know where it ended up, I feel gratified by that.
3: She was way up on my list too. So just picking
1: out some things from my top 12 or so, uh, Joni Mitchell, and Spark, Purple Rain, uh, Aretha, I Never Loved the Man, and Off the Wall, which is a lot higher than it ended up, Astral Weeks, Little Richard, Here's Little Richard, that was my, uh, that probably uh, great 28 probably was even more important to me, but I felt I really wanted to push that up. Madonna's ray of light. D'Angelo's voodoo was really high. I'll say. And uh, so was kid a and Asia and Migus ah Um, uh,
3: so, you know, I think people still liking the Eagles. What's up with that? <laughs> a lot of, I don't a know. Lot of records <laughs> that usually it used to be when I would see a list like this and, and there's certain records that I'd see on the list and think, well, uh, you know, like that's that's just <laughs> that's her, like that's just a bygone era, you know. And I was like, no, clearly, young people feeling the Eagles. Crosby, Stills and Nash, whose continued like critical popularity just blows my mind. I thought of that as like two t- albums, very high.
2: Both yeah. Their- <laughs> like, like,
3: yeah. Clearly, young people are feeling Crosby, Stills and against all <laughs> not, odds, Nash. All, all three of them resonate like in a way that is for me, it's it's educational and and a revelation to see what music from that era that I think of is that oh, that's not my era that's that's way too bygone for me. There's but, a lot of California soft rock on here, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then that's you know that's the I guess that's
0: what is going these days with some of the young rock fans. I don't know, but yeah, it's also rock, it's
1: also leftover from uh, Fleet fox's stuff yeah. i think as well Mestical i mean no, no, I'm core. yes totally <laughs> but on uh, that note we are running out of time i will say that uh, that arctic monkeys i remember were, were shockingly into the eagles when i talked to them a few years ago so i guess you know something to do with that i don't know anyway that is today's show we touched a bit on rolling stone's new list of the top 500 albums of all time be sure to check that out and go right on the internet to argue about it And thanks to Bernie Spanos and Rob Sheffield and John Dolan for joining me to talk about it. We'll be back next week here on SiriusXM's volume, channel 106. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a nice review on iTunes if you can. But as always, stay safe. Thanks for listening. And we will
3: see you next week.